I want to welcome all of you to Thrive Church this morning. I want to welcome those who are watching us online. My name is Pastor Sheldon Miles. We're glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. And we are in a relationship series called Ever After, because that's really what we're all looking for, whether we are single or whether we're married. I'm, I'm, and this, this sermon series is for all singles and for all married couples here. So I don't want anybody to be confused but we're all looking for the happily ever after, right? That's, that's the life that we, that we really want to live. And, and I want you to know you're looking at somebody who's living an ever after relationship with my beautiful wife, Michelle, over here. And tomorrow she's going to be celebrating her 39th birthday. We can all just give her a round of applause. 39 years of age. And she is more beautiful than ever, and I'm living the happily ever after life. But I'll tell you, it was not always happily ever after. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk about some of those things as well. But we, we have some ladies in the church who have uh, put together a gift basket for her. So we want to give that to her. And thank you for honoring my wife uh, for her birthday. Thank you very much for those gifts that you've given to her. Give yourselves a round of applause for that. Nicole, you had mentioned earlier that uh, this church is really a place of honor, and I love that. I, I, that's the type of church that I feel like the church should be. The church should be a place, of, a place of honor, and that word honor means that we value people. We value everyone. That, as Garrett said earlier, that wherever you are in life's journey, you are welcome, you are accepted, and you are loved here. So I want to talk about this, the ever after, the ever after relationship, and sometimes it doesn't always go that way. Some of you are sitting there like, man, I wish I knew what that was like. That's only for fairy tales, but I believe that it can be for, for real life, but that's not always the reality for some people, okay? And here, why is that so? Why is that so? I think one of the biggest issues that relationships sometimes struggle with. We get into these relationships and all is going well, but over time, over time, we get tired, we get weary, we just stuff goes on, and this thing called disrespect begins to show up in our home. Today, I want to talk about the topic of respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Talk about respect. <laughs> respect is this. It is a deep admiration for someone. It entails honoring a person's feelings and needs. It's, well, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to respect. I give you respect because I value you in my life. If you want to know what disrespect is, it's the opposite. Disrespect is the opposite. It's just, just like, I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about you. It's just, it's just when you live relationship, when it's all about you, you're being disrespectful in your relationships. So why, why do we, and, and here's the question, why is it that the person we tend to disrespect the most is the one who is closest to us? Why does that happen? How, how, how do we disrespect each other? Here's a couple examples of how we might disrespect each other. We, we talked, we, you watched the video here a few moments ago, but, but we disrespect each other by keeping score. And I'm sure none of you have ever done that before. And I may have been guilty of that once, just once. 
but we, we begin to keep score in a relationship. And this can be one of the most toxic things that you do in a relationship because what happens is your relationship becomes one big competition. And it's really rough when you have two people who are really competitive. And like, oh, okay, you got me on that one, so it's my turn to get you on that one. Or you owe me. Or we begin to see what happens if you got real, real competitive, all right? It's like, oh, okay, it's my turn. I got to get him back. And so what happens is you begin to just focus on catching your partner in the negatives. How many of you ever, you got a new car? Yeah, how many of you ever get a new car before you? And you get to that really nice red, Buckeye red. Buckeye red, yeah, I like it. A nice Buckeye red uh, Honda, Honda vehicle. And all of a sudden, you, you get in that car, you've never really saw this car before, but now it's the most awesome car in the world. And that's all you ever see on the roads. But, man, that is a nice shade of Buckeye red, man. That's a beautiful, you, and you see it all. And that's what happens in our relationships. When, when we're keeping score all the time, and I'm looking for the negatives, all of a sudden, that's all we see in our partner is the negatives, and we never see what, what's good in their life. And all of a sudden, we, we, we have this, what I call destructive counterpunching. And destructive counterpunching is like, you, you know, that your husband says something to you, and you're like, okay, completely off the subject, oh yeah, well you, this and this and this. And then his response is, oh yeah, well you, this and this. And all of a sudden, you got this vicious cycle of counterpunching going on. One of the other ways that we can be disrespectful is to just be rude. This is one of the most disrespecting somebody, that, dis, disrespecting something that somebody can do, especially when we do it in public. We worked with a couple here years ago. Man, it was a couple that they really brought a lot of their hurts into their marriage. They got married and, they, and, they, and boy, when they would get into an argument, I'd sit down and talk with them. They'd get into an argument immediately. I mean, they wouldn't just ease their way into it. They would immediately, with their words, hit each other below the belt. Immediately. Immediately. In other words, hitting below the belt is going after that person's insecurity. You, oh, I know what triggers her. I know it triggers him, so I'm just going to say it right away. That's just rude. That's just rude, especially when you know that you can do that in public. And one of the ways that we do this is we do this with our words. The Word of God says that life and death are in the power of the words. And we become inconsiderate with our selfishness. Uh, In other words, we just don't care about our, our spouse's concern. We only only of ourselves. And I've had people come to me and, and share with me, you know, share their thoughts about how it's going on in their relationship. And then they'll ask me this question. I get this question a lot. Do you think, do you think, as the way I just described it to you, that this person is a narcissist? And whenever they ask me that question, I'm like, like, can we just be real? Can we just be real that there's, there's a little bit of narcissist in all of us? It's called our sin nature. It's our sin nature. But when we get get caught up and consumed with ourselves, yes, we do become that narcissist. It's called sin. And then, how about this? We, We become disrespectful when we always have to be right. When we can never confess that 
yeah, maybe I, what I did was wrong. You know, again, those competitive couples who get, oh, just never, never, never did I do anything wrong. And then what they do is they constantly correct their partner in front of others, in front of others. Here's one, one last one, dishonesty. Dishonesty, we disrespect our partners when like, okay, we're gonna make a promise, we're gonna make a commitment, we're not gonna spend any money we're not gonna spend any money this month or this week. And they're like, yes, yes, yeah, okay, yes, we agree with this. And then that person goes right out the door and goes shopping for themselves. They just broke the promise, completely ignored it. You know, let me tell you this, in relationships, if you don't have trust, you do not have a relationship. If you don't have trust, if, you have, if it's built on dishonesty, you really do not have a relationship. So in Matthew 7, 12, Jesus gives us hope. He gives us hope. Are you ready for some hope here? Okay. I felt like I needed to set up the trash can. Now we need to just get out of the dumpster here. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, 12, he tells us what respect looks like. And he gives it to us in this thing. And maybe you've heard of this phrase before, this title. It's called the golden rule. Look at your neighbor and say the golden rule. It's golden. I mean, this, this is so valuable. It's called the golden rule because this is a valuable information. If we would live by the golden rule, your relationships would be changed. We, really, the golden rule, it's the law of respect. It's the law of respect. In other words, Jesus said this. He says in, in Matthew 7, 12, he says, do to others, do to others Whatever you would like them to do to you. Simple. Do to others, treat others the exact same way that you like to be treated. He says, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law of prophets. In other words, you can take all the verses on relationships and how to treat the one another's, and you can all put it in just right here. Treat others in the same way you like to be treated. I don't know about you, but I like to be treated nice. I like people to be nice to me, right? How many of you like the people to be nice? How many of you wish we lived in a nicer world, in our workplace or whatever? We, we want to be nice. And so the golden rule is the standard. It's the standard for living a life of respect. It's what respect looks like. And here's the bottom line. If you get anything out of this message, here's the bottom line. If you treat others the same, treat others the same way you expect others to treat you. Bottom line, if you want respect in your relationships, in your marriage, in your dating relationships, in your workplace, if you want respect, give respect. Live respect. If we expect to receive it, we need to be intentional about giving it, right? If we want to receive that, I think we all have this innate expectation. That is that's kind of maybe a trigger point in my life. I mean, we all know what triggers are. It's that one thing that just kind of gets us. And man, when, when somebody is disrespectful towards me, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. It tempts me to maybe respond in ways that I know I shouldn't. But all too often, we treat everyone in our lives. Have you ever known? Sometimes we treat everyone in our lives with respect except the one that we love the most. 
of the one who's closest to us. There's a funny story about their couple is that they were in their first year of marriage and, uh, and they were over visiting some friends and spending the night at a friend's house and uh, they kind of got into an argument. And so they kind of went back in the guest room like, hey, let's take care of this back in the guest room, okay? And they are letting each other have, they close the door and they're just kind of whispering, yelling. You know, and they're letting, it, letting each other have it. And they're being disrespectful with the words and then they're, getting, they're hitting below the belt. And then all of a sudden, they noticed that there was a baby monitor in the room. Yeah. And the wife is like, shh. He's like, don't, don't worry. I saw it. I saw that it was out there. So I turned it on off so they can't hear us. And she's like, okay. And they get back into it and they let each other have it even more. And then she's so fed up, she just, she walked right out of the living room. I can't take this anymore. I can't walk out into the living room. And then she returned with a red glow on her face. She said, I thought you turned the baby monitor off. What you did is you turned it on voice activation. <laughs> How differently would we treat our spouse or our partner if we knew other people were listening? How differently would we treat them if we knew other people were listening? You know what? I'm going to tell you this morning, there is somebody who's listening. And it's that... You, and, it's your partner, it's your spouse, it's your husband, it's your wife. The person, the most important person in your life is the one who is listening. So if we want respect, we've gotta give it. Listen to me, if you're, you're in a relationship right now and it's toxic and you're just disrespect, disrespect, listen, one of you's gotta change. One of you's gotta be change. And I tell you this, the person who is most mature in your don't point, don't point, but the person who is the most mature in your relationship, you start it. You start it. You start being respectful because if you want respect, you first got to give it. If you want respect, you got to first give it. The Apostle Paul tells us this. He, in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks a lot about marriage and relationships here. And so he says this in verse 21, verse 5. He says, and further, submit to one another, talking about husband and wife. In other words, mutual respect. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So that means, that, that phrase, submit to one another, it's really, you surrender yourself. You surrender, you know, it's a temptation for all of us to be selfish, to be narcissistic, to, to have our own pursuits, our desires. But really what Paul is telling us here is like when you enter in relationship, there's no room for selfishness. And you need to surrender your desires the way that you always want it to be. Mutual respect. So what does this look like, you know? I was talking to uh, somebody in my life group this week and they were telling me a story uh, that they, they deal with. And I think every couple, maybe they, every couple deals with this. And, they, and the, 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 it's the notorious battle in every first year of marriage, okay? And see if you can relate to this. I'm talking about the toilet seat. <laughs> the toilet seat. 
And it, it, was, it was fun because this person was sharing with me. He's like, man, I would just, you know, my wife would get so upset with me. He's like, why? Why don't you ever put the toilet seat down? And it's like, well, what's the big deal? Well, because I fall into it. And his response is, well, why don't you pick the toilet seat up when you're done? Right? You pick up your toilet. Well, what's the big deal? Well, because I pee all over it. So how about this? I'll start putting the toilet seat down when I'm done if you start putting the toilet seat up when you're done. <laughs> right? Is this person and me the only ones who have had this conflict? Okay, and so this, this goes on, and my friend just began to share with me. He's like, you know, I just, I got tired of the conflict. I got tired of the battle. And so when I was done, I just... Put the toilet seat up, just like she asked me. And he's like, you know what happened? Over time, you know what she started doing? When she was done, she started putting the toilet seat up. Started putting the toilet seat up. Because when you, if you want respect, you start giving respect. That's what you call mutual respect. If you want it, you've got to give it. So today I'm going to talk to you about three ways to build mutual respect in your relationships. If you want mutual respect, the first thing that I, I, I would say you need to do is you need to, number one, this is in your notes, appreciate your differences. Amen. Appreciate your differences. So when, when we were first married, some almost in June, we 33 years. 33 years. Yes, we got married when we were 13. In my immaturity, and I'm sure maybe she felt some of these same ways herself, I didn't understand. I didn't understand or appreciate our differences. I just could not understand why she didn't think like me didn't act like me. I just couldn't understand why she could not read my mind. Right? Right? I could not understand it. And so, so there was conflict and, and, and you know, there may be some passive aggressive things going on. And, and I just couldn't understand why she could not see the obvious. Well, 33 years later, I understand that I was truly the knucklehead in the situation. And in my immaturity, I, I, I learned over the years that we are different. We are different. Even the Bible tells us that we are different. Even at the very beginning, God made us different. In Genesis 5-2, it says that he, talking about God, he made them male and female. And he blessed them and he called them human. I'm going to just pause here quickly here is that I, this scripture verse right here this scripture verse right here answers a lot of the questions that the world is asking right now the the world is in a place that they're confused about this subject our differences i am grateful that God made us different, more than just our body parts. But we, we tend to process things differently. There was a book out the, uh, years ago called Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti. 
differences, okay? So what, what the, the point of the book is, men, we compartmentalize, right? We, we put like, hey, we can, and, and we can only deal with like one box at a, at a time. We get in that compartment and I just can't focus on anything else. I just, because I'm stuck. I'm stuck, I'm stuck in that waffle box, right? We can only work in one waffle box. And so when we try to mix them up, like we're just beside ourselves. We can't do work and home and friends at the same time. Like just, just one waffle box at a time. I'm in my waffle box, okay? But women, they're like spaghetti. And it just, everything is, is mixed together. Again, this is from my reading. This is my understanding. Everything in life is just mixed together like a big, bowl of spaghetti. And that just messes with my waffle box. I can't understand that. I can't. And so sometimes our conversations, I'm like, what? 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 Because I'm stuck in my waffle box. And she's beautiful. A beautiful bowl of spaghetti. It's a beautiful bowl of spaghetti. I love spaghetti. I'm attracted to spaghetti. But I don't always get it. I'm confused. So not only, not only do we think differently, but we have different upbringings. So, for, so Michelle, she grew up, and she has an older brother who is like four or five years older than her, okay? And she grew up in northern Minnesota in a Scandinavian home. That's all I'm saying about that. <laughs> I grew up in a family of six kids. I... I hovered over my bowl of spaghetti because my brothers were always snagging my spaghetti. They were snagging my meatballs. And there was a lot of, I call it chaos in the kingdom. Anybody grew up in a big home, a lot of kids, it's chaos in the kingdom, all right? And remember, I've mentioned this before, I was five of six kids. I was the victim in the family. Okay, so, so, so you get us, you get a victim going into, into a relationship and she was pretty much the only child. Uh, so you, there was a little bit of conflict there. I, I just kind of like chaos and she kind of like, can you please calm down a little bit? Just, just relax a little bit. We had, there's different personalities and we know that there's, if you take the growth track, especially in 301, you discover you have, each of us has different personalities, but there's, there's different personalities in relationships. There are people who are introverts and these are people who get a lot of energy by not being around people. People exhaust them. But then you have extroverts and when you get around people, you just get energized. You just love to be around it. But God just shaped us differently. And then there's the, the love languages. Hey, how many of you have ever read the book, The Five Love Languages, before? Okay, so we all have different love languages. And our love language, according to this book, we all have a different way that we need to be loved. And here's, here's, a, here's a few of them. Uh, first of all, there's words of affirmation. That's me. I'm a words of affirmation guy. I feel loved. When, when my wife just, oh, that message, it just, just changed my life. It was just so wonderful and beautiful. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and every once in a while, she'll give me an attaboy, and I like that. Just an attaboy. But then, but then there's my wife likes quality time. And so 
that for her, if I, I say, hey, you want to go for a walk today? And she's, that makes her feel loved, that I want to spend time with her. But then there's acts of service, and there's people who like to be served. And there's, there's receiving gifts for some of you. That might be your love language, our physical touch, holding hands, rubbing back, whatever. That might be your love language. So again, you see the differences here? What's that? Number six is food, yes, and number six is food, absolutely, and all the Italians said, amen. You liked my spaghetti analogy, didn't you? That really resonated with you. But here's the problem. The problem is we tend to to give, extend love out of our love language. When real love is like, wait a second, our love languages are different And so I need to figure out, number one, what your love language is, and then number two, I need to surrender my desires and love you out of your love language. And I I know some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? But can I encourage you, if you're in a dating relationship and kind of a serious relationship, or, or maybe you're engaged or even married, I would encourage you to go to this website here called thefivelovelanguages.com and just do a survey and just, can you just maybe make that a date night discussion, just talking about your differences? Because you are different. And I'm telling you, when I learned this, it changed me. And if it changed me, it changed our marriage. So we're talking about three ways to have mutual respect in our relationships. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to appreciate our differences. We need to appreciate, this is how God made you. You're different, and that is good, and it is okay. The second thing that we need to do is we need to accept each other, accept each other. So so the Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans 15, 7, and he says, therefore, accept each other. Everybody say, accept each other. Accept each other. Therefore, whenever he starts off with it, therefore, that's like a setting you up like, this is important. You need to accept each other just as Christ Jesus has accepted you so that God will be given glory. You see, when we accept each other, when we love and accept each other, God is glorified in that. That shows that God is in that relationship. Interesting, in 1943, some of you, you may have studied this in college, uh, a psychologist by the name of Abraham Maslow, he did a study on human, human's most basic needs. What is it that we need the most? And he did it in order of importance, and, okay? So here was the most important thing. First of all, is our physical needs. Food, water, shelter, oxygen, okay? All right. So that's foundation, foundation. We, we need that to survive. Second thing that we needed is our safety needs. We need to be protected, protected from animals, wild animals, uh, from enemies. We need to have protect, we need to feel protected in, our, in, in life. The third one is our need to love, to be loved, and to belong. to be accepted by somebody. Longing, belonging, and acceptance. You see, we have within all of us this innate need to be loved by others. God put that desire. He put in our desire to be loved, and he also gave us the ability to love one another, to accept people. 
And then he says here that we need to do this just like Jesus loves us. Well, what does that look like? I love this story. And John, John chapter four, Jesus walks into this, this town, this Samaritan town, and he begins to interact with this Samaritan woman at the well. We need to understand here, and I'm not gonna get into it too much here, but we need to understand, sometimes it's hard to accept people who are different than us, but this Jesus walked right into like the deep end of the different pool. So number one, Jesus begins to talk to this woman at the well. And back in that cultural time, men did not just talk to any, especially a strange woman in a community like that. He did not, it was just a huge cultural issue. Men talked to men, women talked to women, but you just, you did not cross talk like that, okay? Number two, not only was she a woman, but she was a woman with a bad reputation. That was a super big no-no. I mean, you, you could go into town and you recognize who these people were, and you're just like, man, no, do not go near her. But here Jesus is talking to this woman with a bad reputation at the well. Not only a woman, not only a woman with a bad reputation, but there was a racial barrier here. Because in those times, if you think racial tension is thick here in our country today, it was huge, huge racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. I'm not gonna get into all of it here, but trust me on this, huge differences. It was so strange for the disciples to say, why are we even going through Samaria? Do you know who lives in Samaria? Samaritans. And so there's this huge racial barrier there. These people were different. However, instead of rejecting this woman who was different, Jesus accepted her. He met her right where she was at. Differences and all, junk and all, everything. Jesus loved and accepted her. He did not look at her through man's eyes because we get stuck we get stuck with our eyes. We get stuck with looking at a person's different race, their, their belief systems. We, we, we just look at you know, their politics. And we, it's like, oh, we stay away from people like that, but not, not, not Jesus. Because when Jesus is in the house, when Jesus loves and accepts us, you are welcome, you are accepted, and you are loved. And I think we need, I think Paul is telling us here that we need to learn if we're gonna love people and we're gonna accept our spouse, we need to accept them unconditionally, Jesus style. So we're talking this morning about building mutual respect in our relationships. So we're talking about, first of all, appreciating our differences instead of being dis disappointed that they're not like us. We need to accept each other just as Jesus accepts us. And then the third one, last one is uh, we need to align together for success. That, that word alignment, the word alignment, is, is just, it's just marriage. Marriage, in the Bible, it talks about, and the two come together as one. And when you have this in marriage, this is, this is the ultimate goal, really. This is, the word is intimacy. Another word for that is alignment. When two different parts come together, you have 
alignment. And listen to me, folks, there is so much potential. There's so much potential in your life when it's like this, right? But man, when it's, when it's like this and now all of a sudden it begins to be divided, there's so much pain when, it, when this happens. And some of you are here today and you know all about that pain of that breakup. God never intended for that. Listen to this passage here. I love, I love what the, uh, Solomon says here in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It says, two people are better off than just one. They can help each other, help each other succeed. You see, if one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You know, this reminds me of, I was thinking about this. This reminds me of Olympic couples figure skaters. We have that picture here. Yeah. Okay, let, let me just pause this message for a second here. Mutual respect in my house is my wife gets excited about watching football with me. <laughs> and I know she's faking it. <laughs> But I appreciate it, and I love it. And we high-five each other, and it's great. And so what I try to do is I watch figure skating. <laughs> and I watch Hallmark movies. Not a lot. I still have enough to keep my man card, but every once in a while, I, I've not crossed that line. But, but seriously, seriously, listen to me. Man, I, you watch couples figure skating and they do like some incredible things. Like absolutely incredible. But you know when they first get together, there's, there's a lot of falls and there's a lot of drops and there's a lot of bumps and there's a lot of bruises. You, you could just imagine it just does not happen naturally. Um, but they have to, what happens is they have to stop working as individuals and they need to start thinking of each other. And they need to start working together. And when they stop thinking about themselves all the time, and they begin to have mutual respect and start working together, it makes a beautiful thing. And God gets glorified. And this is the vision that God has for your relationship. This is God's vision. And when we live out our relationships God ways, this is the beauty that comes out of it. Happily ever after. That's what I want my relationship to look like. Husbands, wives, listen to me. We were made to complement each other. We were made to complement each other. Let's start doing that. I think what Solomon is saying here is two really is. It really is. If we do it God's way, two is better than one when we work together. I believe we are better together. We're better together. So when I ask you this morning as I close out this message, are you better together? Are you better together? If not, if you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Can I ask you, what's in the way? What, what is it, what mindset do you need to do to start for change to come about? Who or what needs to change? 
And I would say this, here would be a great start for us. And James tells us this, and in my closing here, James just, he, he gives us just challenge. What if, what if right today we just stopped? We stopped that vicious cycle and, and we just started loving each other. Are you, and what if you just chose, I, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to respect my spouse. I'm going to live with respect. I'm going to love my spouse. And James tells us, what if we were to confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that we can be healed, so that your marriage, your relationship can be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So I, I just encourage you here today. I, I encourage every married couple, every, every couple that's engaged and things have just been getting really goofy or, 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 or just toxic, that maybe you sit down with this scripture verse in, in, a, in a safe environment and you begin to confess your sins to one another. Don't, don't just say, you, you know, but what about you? Don't, 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 don't. What if you just say, listen, I need to apologize. I need you to forgive me for this. Will you forgive me? And then what if you just say, you know what, Let, let's do what James says, not only confess our sins to one another, but let's pray for each other. In fact, like we talked about last week, what if we just not only pray for each other here, but what if we prayed for each other every single day? And then, and then we move on. What was what this going to look like from now on? From now on, I commit to you that the best I can, I am going to start appreciating our differences. And I'm going to respect our differences. I'm going to appreciate the differences that God has made. And then number two, I'm going to accept you as God's masterpiece. Junk and all, challenges and all, difficulties and all, I accept you just as God accepted me. And last of all, I'm going to pursue alignment. Let's pursue alignment in our marriage, in our relationship. Amen? Amen. Can I just pray for you this morning? I want to pray for all the singles out there, maybe couples who are dating or engaged, Maybe you've been married for a long time and just going through challenges. Can I pray over you in Jesus' name? Lord, I believe that your word speaks to us about relationships. And God, we're so, we appreciate, we thank you so much for how your love has been extended to us. And Lord, you've given us that love so that we can love one another. And I pray, Lord, all around this room that we would begin to appreciate our differences. God, that we would begin to accept each other as you accepted us. And God, I pray that you would just give us an alignment, a focus, and that you would make a beautiful masterpiece out of these relationships, I pray in Jesus' name. I want to tell you this morning, there is a relationship that affects all other relationships in your life, and that relationship with just, is with Jesus Christ. I will tell you, my relationship with Jesus, my number one relationship is with Jesus, impacts every other relationship. And you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ today. You can begin that. Those who are watching online, you want to, uh, to start a relationship with Jesus, it's as easy as this. Just pray with me. If, that, if that's you, you've never accepted Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, you can do it today. Just say, God, I need you. I'm asking you, to give me your son. 
place your son in my heart to forgive me, transform me, change me. God, I want to live just like you. I want to live for you. I make that decision today and I give you all the honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give God a praise this morning for what he's doing?